I'm putting love on the radio, spreading joy everywhere I go. There's no way to hide my hope. Oh, no, this little light of mine. Hey, I'm gonna let it shine. Telling the world to save my soul. The only way I know with love on the radio. Hello, everybody. I'm Ryan Young, and this is The Ryan Young Show, live right now on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM, or wherever you're listening to podcasts. Today's Thursday. We've got a good show prepared for you today about a lot of different stuff, so hopefully it'll be fascinating. We're going to talk a little bit about fasting in the second half of the show. What what does the Bible say about that? Are we called to continue to do that uh, today in the modern age, where we're, we're all told that we need to eat three meals a day? What, what's going on there? We'll talk a little bit about that as well as a good news story coming up in a little bit. I'm Ryan Young, and this is The Ryan Young Show, live right now on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM. Hey, guess what day it is? Oh, come on, I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is? woo So it is October 14th. It's also Thursday, and also... It's National Dessert Day, so that means you get to have dessert maybe before dinner today if you can get that to pass with your parents. (laughs) My grandma always had that mentality. No matter where we would go, she'd always say, well, we should always eat dessert first. And that was something that was super special about her. And I still remember it as a little kid how amazing I thought it was that my grandma was able to eat dessert before dinner. And when I was growing up as a kid, it was the rule. If you didn't finish what was set before you for dinner, you wouldn't probably get dessert. And somehow that dinner, even though you said you were so full, somehow you still had that little bit of room left in your stomach to have a good dessert. And I think that's that's kind of a reflection of how we are in, in general. What, when we have a desire for something, even if we're filled to the brim, we still are going to to save a little bit of an area in, in our life to to satisfy that desire. And we're going to talk a lot more about that very topic and so much more. Today is National Dessert Day. So enjoy a dessert, maybe get an ice cream, a cake or something, and, and enjoy the day. It's the simple joys, the simple pleasures in life that bring so much happiness and, and and different different abilities for us to escape sometimes what what we've already talked about on the show as being the monotony of life or really just uh, the depression that you can easily fall into when it comes to what takes place on the news, what takes place in politics, what can take place at the job or school or wherever else to be able to enjoy a dessert. I know it sounds silly, but it can make a big difference today. For you. I'm Ryan Young, and this is The Ryan Young Show live right now on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. I asked on Tuesday, how susceptible are we to the devil's attacks? And I don't know if you remember that. I, I kind of said it a lot. And, and I, I've missed something, and I, that's why I want to recap a little bit. How susceptible are we to the devil's attacks? I want to make something clear. When we're a Christian, when we change our our life and we surrender to God and we want his will to be done through us and and by us, we we often will be more susceptible to the devil's attacks. And the way I presented it last Tuesday was kind of uh, uh, the main majority of when we're susceptible to the devil's attacks if we're not fully surrendered to Jesus. But even when we fully to surrender, surrender to Jesus and our heart's in the right place and we're in the right mentality and the right mode and we're fully uh, focused on God, we're heavenly focused, not earthly minded, even still, 
we can fall susceptible to the devil's attacks. And he, he comes like a, almost like a flood whispering in our ears, telling us, well, you're not worthy of this. Did you see what you did in your past? How, if your parents couldn't love you, then how could God love you? And on and on and on, these whispers go in your ear. And next thing you know, you do find yourself in a somewhat depressive state and you're asking yourself, well, what did I do wrong? I, I prayed, I, I'm trying to get closer to God, and yet still somehow I feel this heavy weight within my chest, this separation, this anxiety, and the fear comes in like a flood, and the devil's lies begin to convince us that we are not worthy of the gift that God has blessed upon us. And that happened to me, guys. That just recently happened to me after I was talking all about how good God is, how, how blessed it is to follow him and to know what love is, to accept the love that he gave for us, that he loved us first long before we could ever love him. And because of that love, we now know and are called to be love on the earth to every person that we meet, to share the message of Jesus. After I talked all about that and about our purpose and our mission, I quickly found myself just last night in somewhat of a, a depressive state, in somewhat of a anxious, fearful state. And the worst part is I can't even tell you what I was anxious about, what I was fearful about, because it, it, it's, not dis, it, it's not describable, it's not explainable by earthly standards. It's simply the recognition that the devil would like nothing more than to put me off course. And they're working overtime right now to try to get me off course, to make me less inspired so I'm not willing and eager and desiring to share the gospel on my radio show the next morning, to affect my sleeping pattern so then when I do get here, I'm more exhausted, I'm less filled with the spirit, I'm less energetic. But I didn't let the devil win. Yeah, for a period of about an hour, I was wondering to myself, what's going on here? Why am I feeling this way? Well, I did what God teaches us to do in the Bible. I prayed. I opened the word of God. I wrote down what was going on. And I asked God this time, instead of taking me out of this feeling that I feel, instead of having me escape from the pain within me, I asked God why it was there. And I asked him to use it to soften my heart and to build up compassion for those that are constantly afflicted by the devil. What it must feel like to constantly be under that weight the weight of guilt, the weight of shame, the weight of not even knowing why you feel the way that you do, but you do, and that's enough. My heart breaks for people that still constantly feel that weight. They don't need to. You don't have to find yourself stuck in this pain. Jesus is right there looking at you. Are you going to take my hand? Or are you going to drown in your sorrows, in your past, in the hurt 
within. Lift your hand up, grab the hand that has reached out to you and be pulled out of the fire, out of the water. When, G- when Jesus and Peter, Jesus was walking on the water and Peter was in the boat and Peter saw Jesus and he asked to come to Jesus. He went over the boat and he began walking on the water to Jesus. But something happened while he was walking on that water. Instead of keeping his eyes solely fixed on God, he began to question to himself, how am I right now walking on the water? Doesn't this like defy all law, all reality? That is Jesus. Okay, Uh, wait, wait. Am I walking on water? And what began to happen is Peter took his eyes off of Jesus. He looked down at his feet to see what was taking place. And his faith was no more. And he began to sink, falling quickly into that water. Are you walking on the water today and find yourself sinking? I think all Christians do. There is no such thing as a perfect Christian that can walk in perfect love, perfect peace, perfect joy. But that doesn't mean that we aren't called to try to strive for his perfect love to live righteous and holy lives. I found myself like Peter, taking my eyes off of God, even for a brief moment and quickly became susceptible to the devil's attacks, quickly began drowning. You see, the pain that you feel, the hurt that you've had in your life, the sorrow that has been brought forth within you. There's two ways to go about it. One, to wallow in it, like a dog that returns to its vomit, to be never forgotten, always to be a vital part of what defines you, why you can't do what you can do, Or you can bring it to the altar of Jesus, who he promises to throw as far as the east is to the west, to be forgotten forever. I told you this before on Tuesday, but it's just as important that I remind you today and for frankly, every single day, do not let the past define your present or your future. If we truly believe that when we became a follower of Jesus, when we surrendered and we called out to Jesus, that he might fill our hearts and our souls and our minds with him. When we acknowledged our desperate need for him, that we couldn't ever do it in our own strength, 
when we express the contrition and the repentance of the sins that we've committed and Jesus said, follow me. When he said those things to us and when we accepted him, if we truly believe that we were then in that moment cleansed of our sins and made a new creation, why then are you holding on to the past? Why? You have been made new. When a caterpillar makes a cocoon and forms a beautiful butterfly, does the butterfly refuse to fly? and crawl around like a caterpillar, crawl up and down trees, across the ground, into crevices? Or does that butterfly take its wings and soar up into the sky from flower to flower? You see, the new purpose from a caterpillar to a butterfly, there is a whole brand new purpose The caterpillar was taken off of the ground. No longer reduced to simply crawling and was now given wings to soar like an eagle. You are that caterpillar. And when you've accepted Jesus, he has given you the wings to soar with him. So don't return to the state of a caterpillar. Don't return to your past and find yourself crawling, moaning, not accomplishing the very purpose for your existence. Because when you've surrendered to Jesus, your whole entire life purpose is completely altered. You're not here simply to survive. You're here to thrive for Jesus. You're here now to be the light of the world. I heard a sermon and the pastor said something very powerful. When Jesus died on the cross to save us of our sins, he was rose again and he went to heaven. It was like a tag, you're it. He tagged us and he said, you're it. Now it's time for you to be the light of the world. Now it's time for you to share the message of Jesus. Now is the time for you to be holy, righteous, cleansed, godly men and women, disciples of Christ, to share the good news of Jesus and the full love of him that walked on this earth before us, who showed us the way we are to live, who called us to live this way, How are you going to be successful in that mission if you continue to walk and crawl like a caterpillar when God has given you wings to fly? How are you going to be successful if you hold on to the hurt within your soul from your previous life? We must be heavenly minded, not earthly focused. You see, the very same power that rose Jesus from the dead that made Peter walk on water that fed 5,000, that rose Lazarus from the grave, that made the blind see, the deaf hear, and the lame walk, 
that same power lives inside of us. If we have the impetus to obey and the faith to believe. Wow. Are you with me? How beautiful. You have that power living inside of you if you simply have the impetus to obey and the faith to believe. Are you allowing that to sink in? Don't dismiss it. It's the truth. And now you might be asking yourself, well, how come we don't see those types of biblical miracles today? Well, first of all, they're taking place, whether or not you see them or not. They do take place. They've taken place in my life. I've read about them. I've seen them take place in my parents' life, in my friends' lives. They do take place, maybe not to you as often as what's taking place during Jesus' time on the earth, but why? Is it because perhaps we aren't being obedient? Our faith is lacking. Remember, you must be obedient. You must have the faith to obey to do these deeds for Christ. If God told you today where you were going to the grocery store, let's say you're in Walmart. If God told you in your spirit, that young woman up there needs you to go and pray for her, needs you to tell her that I love her and that she can be made new and cleansed of the guilt and the shame that's in her heart. If God told you that today while you were in Walmart, What would you do? Would you be obedient to go up to her and say, you know, Jesus just spoke to me and I'm here to tell you that he loves you. He cares about you. And honey, you don't need to hold on to the guilt and shame that's consuming you today. You can be made new and cleansed by his spirit. Can I pray for you? Would you do that? Or would you justify every earthly reason why it would be awkward and weird and strange? And why would I do that? What do you mean? You're not being obedient then and your faith is lacking. We need to be radically changed and transformed by God. That we aren't worried about what other, th- other people think. We're only worried about what God thinks. We're not worried about if people label us an extremist or radical. We're worried about what God labels us. And he already has labeled us a child of him, a disciple of his, a follower of Christ. But this can only happen. Our, our, our life can only be fruitful. Remember, be fruitful and multiply, bear fruit, sow seeds. It's our duty as Christians to sow seeds, to bear fruit. But the only way we can do this is first by being obedient and building our faith. And also we must tear down our self-focused wills, our flesh. We must deny the flesh, take up our cross and follow Jesus. That means tearing down the ignorance that you build, 
the arrogance that you build, the shyness that you have, the harshness, the pouting, the belittling, all of it we must tear down. And I know we build it up because we don't know if we're going to be able to handle it ourselves. We're uncomfortable and you know, I don't really know. I'm just going to point my finger at someone else that does something stupid in the cafeteria today because you know what? It's funny and I'm not them, thank God. <laughs> Look at that guy. <laughs> yeah, and what does that do? Does it make you feel better? Because the truth is, it's just showing with a big blinking arrow that you feel inadequate, that you've got your own hurt going on right now and you're just pointing your finger at someone else because you know what, at least I'm not that bad or at least I'm not that much of an idiot or, or oh, thank goodness that's not me. You see, your peace is not in Jesus. You're seeking it in earthly things. You're seeking it in, in the approval of others and that will always leave you feeling miserable depressed and anxious. Remember I said hurt people hurt people. If you're hurting, you're likely to bully someone. So we need to address the hurt that you're dealing with first before you can ever truly be kind and loving to another person. Remember God says we are called to love our neighbor as ourself. There it is again. It's perfectly made clear. Hurt people hurt people. Well, Loving your neighbor as yourself, if you don't love yourself, you're going to hurt people. So let's tear down that arrogance, that shyness, that harshness, that pouting, that anxiety, that hurt today. And let's be used by Christ to love and to be love. I'm Ryan Young, and this is The Ryan Young Show, live right now on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM. We're coming back with a good news story, as well as a lot of information about fasting. Don't go anywhere. everybody. Welcome back to the Ryan Young Show. I'm Ryan Young, live right now on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM or wherever you're listening to podcasts. I do have some good news for you, and we're going to talk about a lot of different stuff later, so stay with us. But this good news story is very fascinating. I like to find stories about uh, connecting biblical stories from the Bible to actual archaeological evidence, and we just found something. Scientists in modern-day Jordan have uncovered evidence of a giant meteor exploding in the atmosphere nearly 4,000 years ago that could account for the biblical story of Sodom and Gomorrah. The scientists reported their findings in a journal saying a highly unusual catastrophic event occurred 3,600 years ago high above Tel Haman, 
Jordan that left a charcoal-rich destruction layer in the ground. At least 50,000 people lived in it and the surrounding area at the time, scientists estimate. The event would have resulted in fire falling from the sky, killing the city's full inhabitants and leaving the region uninhabitable for centuries due to an excess of salt. It's exactly as scripture states, Sodom and Gomorrah, they were living in sin. They were, they were being um, adultery. All sorts of different sins were taking place there. Homosexuality, all of it was happening in Sodom and Gomorrah. And if you remember, Lot and his wife were, were told to leave the city, to continue out of the city and not to look back. And Lot's wife looked back and she was turned to a pillar of salt. And so this account here is the exact location of where Sodom and Gomorrah has been reportedly located in the Bible. And now they have the actual size of it saying that 3,600 years ago, it destroyed an area that was very large with inhabitants of over... I forget how many it said there, uh, uh, 50,000 people living in that area that were killed. And so I think once again, we see here where biblical accounts and biblical stories are, are slowly, uh, not even really slowly, but throughout the course of history, more and more evidence and archaeological evidence and factual evidence with documents and all sorts of different things are proving the legitimacy of the word of God. And I think that's a powerful, powerful thing for us, for our faith, and, and, and just really to share with those that might be even a little unbelieving or doubtful of these stories and wondering whether or not maybe is the story kind of a metaphor? We heard that a lot of people believe that with Noah and the ark. Well, again, we, we have a new account here, a new factual evidence to support the fact that these stories are biblically accurate and truly the word of God and and factual. And I think that's an awesome thing for us today. I'm Ryan Young, and this is the Ryan Young Show live right now on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. In all of our questions, all of our searching, when we are wrestling, you don't let go. The questions come, but you All right, we've got a question of the day for you. Does Scripture call us call us today to continue fasting? And I think this is going to be a very important subject that we could talk about because I think a lot of Christians have a lot of different ideas about the the discipline of fasting, and I'm going to share what Scripture says, um, what God has called us to do, and whether or not we should be engaging in fasting. One thing we can start at at the very basic level is we are aware that that in the society we live in today, in our culture, especially here in America, there is a huge emphasis on getting the proper nutrition about eating three meals a day, remaining healthy, um, having a wide variety of foods and snacks during the day. Our culture loves eating. And everything is kind of centered around that. Conversations are centered around that. Maybe that's even the time when you're, you're most with your family is through meals. But one thing I want to point out is the constant propaganda that we get every single day that says that we must eat three large meals a day. And if we don't, somehow we are on the verge of starvation. 
So just from a very basic level, we're, we can be aware that that is propaganda because throughout our life, we, are, we know and throughout history and based off of scientific evidence, we know that this is not so. We won't hurt our bodies. We won't destroy ourselves. We won't be sapping our strength so we can't work. We won't be destroying uh, the healthy body tissue. All of the rest of it that, that people say is not true. Throughout history, we know we can actually go a long time without eating. Now, drinking is important. We can only go about three days without drinking water. But what, does, what is the point of fasting? Why is it it's so often mentioned in the Bible? Why did Jesus fast? Why did so many people fast? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna share some scripture. I'm gonna share some examples and we can try to address this question of whether or not we should be doing it as well. First, let's start off in Matthew 6, 16. We see here that Jesus says, quote, when you fast. He doesn't say, you must fast. He doesn't say, you shall fast. He says, when you fast. Meaning that there's already the assumption here that people are going to fast. And it's a given instruction on how to do it properly. When you fast. There's no if you fast. There's no you must fast. And we can continue in the passage down to Matthew 9, 15. And we see here a very interesting thing. While Jesus is fasting, there's a a perplexion here. There's a question. and, And it states here, the Pharisees fasted, but, but Jesus' disciples did not. And the Pharisees asked Jesus, why are your disciples not fasting? And Jesus replied this, quote, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. Matthew nine fifteen. So let's interpret that a little bit. Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? So we are the wedding guests. Jesus is the bridegroom. And once the bridegroom is taken from them, quote, the day will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will indeed fast. Well, there you go. I think this is, this is probably one of the most significant passages in scripture that point to a very real calling here for us to engage in the discipline of fasting. Jesus isn't on this earth anymore. He's been taken from us. And so scripture says here, then they will fast. This doesn't mean that it's a legalistic thing where we're forced to do it as in the Old Testament, where if we don't fast somehow, we aren't going to attain salvation. No, that's not it. I want to be clear that that is not what I'm saying. We cannot receive the gift of salvation from Jesus through good works, good deeds, through fasting, through, through prayer. No, it is a gift, a gift of grace, undeserving for anyone. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but God has blessed us with this gift. But that doesn't mean we throw away fasting altogether. You see, if you take grace as just being a cheap grace, meaning lacking discipleship, grace without the cross, as in just kind of a, I've said it before, a get out of hell free card, Thank you, Jesus, for this. Now I can just live my life and do whatever I want because, you know, Jesus Jesus paid it all. Well, 
But it's not at all what God is saying in his word. It's not as all not at all what Jesus has called us to be like on this earth. But I have a question for you. You notice our culture puts a heavy emphasis on giving every day in church. Every time you go to church, there's an offering basket to, to give money. There's prayer groups that meet. There's worship time. There's meditation. But rarely is there anything involving fasting in the church. Why? It wouldn't, isn't there just as much reference and, and, and discussion about fasting in the Bible as there is about charitable giving and praying? In fact, most of the time when Jesus was praying, he was also fasting. Perhaps it's because of the affluent society that we live in. Fasting involves a far larger sacrifice than the giving of money. It's an important thing to think about. Is it easier for us to simply give our money because of the affluent society we live in than it is of a sacrifice to give up food and to fast? And now let's talk about why an individual should fast. First of all, it's important to notice that fasting has to be forever centered solely on God. I can, I can provide some, some scripture to back this up. Zechariah 7, 5 God questioned the people in Zechariah's day by saying, quote, when ye fasted, did ye at all fast unto me, even to me? See, if our fasting is not unto God, we have failed. If it's about physical benefits, about uh, toning our body, that's the only time you really hear about fasting today. Oh, I'm on a, I'm on a diet. I'm only, I'm only drinking smoothies because I want to get in shape. I want to get those six-pack abs. And that is not at all what fasting is in the Bible. If our focus on fasting is not on God, it's on physical benefits, maybe success in prayer, the enduring, the enduing with power, spiritual insights, all of those things can be well and good. They might, they might be a wonderful addition, but they must never replace God as the center of fasting. And I'm going to be completely honest here, I have not really ever engaged in holy fasting and and what Christ calls us to do with fasting. I've always been raised to believe that I need to have my three meals a day. I'm going to be physically ill. I'm going to get malnourished. I'm already a thin person. And if you don't eat all three meals a day, you're going to find yourself in a not healthy situation. But then I say to you, are you This is the question I have. Are you solely relying on your own human intellect, your own human reasoning to to make those claims? Or do you have the faith to trust that Jesus is going to supply your needs and that spiritual food is so much more enriching and valuable than physical food? Can you deny your flesh for a day And see how God uses that. Because you see, God rewards those that are seeking him. And what a great way to seek him by denying your flesh, by fasting from food, or maybe even fasting from other things that that you, you consume a lot of. More than any other discipline in scripture, fasting reveals the things that can control us. Anger, 
bitterness, jealousy, strife, fear, if they are within us, they are going to surface during fasting. And at first we will rationalize that our anger is due to our hunger. Then we will realize that we are angry because the spirit of anger lives within us. And we will see that anger living in within us and we will ask God to take it from us because we will be able to rejoice in the knowledge because we know that healing is available through the power of Jesus Christ. You see, fasting can remind us that we are sustained not through bodily food and by satisfying our flesh, but we are sustained by, quote, every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Matthew 4, 4. John 4, 32, 34 says, I have food to eat of which you do not know. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. You see, that was, that was Jesus speaking. And it's powerful because we see here that Jesus was nourish, nourished. He was sustained not by food, but by the power of God. And oh, how it would bless me. Oh, how it would bless you and transform your life if you would be solely sustained and nourished by the power of God. I'm not, I'm not here to say that you should never eat. Obviously not. That's ridiculous. God gave us our, our, our earthly bodies to, to move in this world so that we might be spiritually blessed and effectual in the lives of others. And we, do our, we are called to take care of our body. But if God is speaking in your heart to fast, to deny the flesh, even for just 24 hours, do it. Don't allow fear and earthly worry and anxiety and modern culture to tell you that somehow you are going to starve by not having a meal for 24 hours. Drink lots of water, obviously. I would encourage that, especially if you're just now beginning. The point of fasting isn't to, to boast to others, hey, look, I'm fasting because there, you, you, Scripture's clear, you've just now lost your heavenly reward from that. You've received your reward in full. It's important to fast because you have to remind your flesh and your body that you are the master of them. You are not its slave. And during the process of fasting, you'll be able to address and monitor the very inner attitude of your heart. And there's a book that I'm reading and and, and basing what I'm talking about right now on. And I would encourage anyone and everyone to buy this book, look into this book at least, if nothing else, read about it. See, See what it is, because I think it's a powerful book. Richard J. Foster's Celebration of Discipline, The Path to Spiritual Growth. And it goes chapter by chapter into all different disciplines that we can work on. With scripture passages, quotes, 
powerful. It's about meditation, prayer, fasting, study, simplicity, solitude, submission, service, confession, worship, guidance, celebration. He touches on all of it. See if, see if this book might be a good one for you. But we're talking here about denying our flesh, about coming to the end of ourselves and realizing our desperate need for God. And where in our life are we putting God second? Are we putting anything above God? Because whatever we put above God, that is the thing that we need to address. That is the thing that we need to decrease. Sometimes I find myself putting my homework above God, my classes above God, friendships above God, my girlfriend above God, my family above God. And what happens is I actually fall out of his peace because my peace is now tethered to something that isn't perfect, all-knowing and everywhere. If my peace is tied to my classwork, well, what happens when I get a bad grade? My peace is stolen. If my peace is tied to my parents, well, what happens if they get in a bad mood or if I do something that, that irritates them and they're mad at me? My peace is stolen. What happens if my peace is placed in my girlfriend? Well, what if, God forbid, we broke up? Would I be broken up? It's just something for you to think about today. Where is your peace placed? Is it in Jesus or is it in something else? So if you feel called today too fast, if you feel called later in this week or later in the month to engage in this discipline, how amazing, how wonderful. And I pray that it will be an opportunity for you to really address your inner heart, to see what vice, what, what, what thing consumes you and to seek God's help to remove that from your heart. And I find myself with a lot of different ones. It's not just one for me. I can quickly become angry at people, self-righteous. I can put on a false sense of humility and, and, and anxiety and fear and worry. Because you see, those things aren't of God. And when those things increase, you know that those are the things that God wants you to address. And those are the things that God wants you to bring to his feet. You see, we can bring all of our worries and our fears, even as simple as a test score. You might say, well, I don't think God really cares about those things. You know, God's a busy guy and I, I don't want to bother him with, you know, I, I've just got a little headache. I mean, I don't need to pray about it. No, that is not what God says in scripture. We are to bring all things to him because he loves us and he cares about even the most minuscule thing. He cares about if you get a... a a twig stuck in your finger. I mean, he cares about everything. He cares about a hangnail. He cares about everything that you're dealing with today. And he loves you. And he wants for you nothing more than his love, his joy, and his peace. And so let's engage in all the disciplines that Jesus engaged with. Because after all, we are called to be like Jesus. So if someone says, well, that's kind of not something people do anymore. Well, 
we're called to love and be like Jesus, right? And if Jesus did it and taught us to do it, then we are to engage with it. We are called to love and to be like Jesus. How beautiful. Because he loved us first. So go forth today in his love. Go forth today filled with his spirit. And when trials and temptations and struggles come your way, seek him. Pray to him and ask for his help and his guidance. And he will help you to get through it no matter what. I'm Ryan Young, and this is The Ryan Young Show, live right now on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM, or wherever you've listened to podcasts. Feel free to reach out to me. My email is ryoung at hillsdale.edu, ryoung at hillsdale.edu, and my Instagram is at real Ryan M. Young. Have a beautiful and blessed day.